it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. So glad you're here. Brian Kilmeade Show moving along as he closer and closer to Christmas, and we're not close to phoning it in. The world is just not slowing it down, and I'm glad it's not. We just got some news. I think it's kind of interesting. Governor Sununu will endorse, drumroll please, Nikki Haley. Very popular in New Hampshire, not running for election, thought about running for president. Not against Trump, just doesn't think for the longest time he can win. And unlike Jan, uh, January 6th, like a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of Republicans, uh, and just he's out. So now he is going for Nikki Haley. So Nikki Haley's got Ken Langone. He's got the LinkedIn co-founder. He's got a lot of important people like one of the Koch brothers. Uh, we'll see if she can close the gap. Right now it is pretty convincing uh, I believe the real clear average, uh, it's about 20-point difference between Donald Trump, who's surging in the polls, and Nikki Haley, who was not falling that far behind. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West is coming back shortly, uh, coming up shortly, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. What they're trying to do is they're trying to kill me, knowing that it will be a pain greater than my father could be able to handle, and so therefore destroying a presidency in that way. Right, exactly. They're trying to kill Hunter Biden by pointing out that he was trying to kill himself by going 130 miles in a car that he couldn't afford with hookers that he paid off, uh, that uh, money that he wasted on crack. But it's Republicans that are trying to kill him. I'm pretty sure you got that down yourself. And I hopefully the worst is yet to come. Hunter Biden pleads his case saying that the Biden name is getting him indicted, getting him in trouble. I think he's the only thing that name is the only thing that kept him out of prison. You tell me. Number two. If there's anyone inspired by unresolved issues on Capitol Hill, it's just Putin. They see the dreams come through when they see the delays or some scandals. Uh, that is Vladimir Zelensky, and he is now in town. Get it done, Zelensky. He is in town to get some money in order to fight the Russians, our enemy. Israel is moving through Gaza, but they're going to need some support. But the key is, and I thoroughly support Republicans on this, is to get border changes, changes to our border right now. And they right now are in an impasse, and yet going home for Christmas, inexcusable. Number one. Who cares what the media thinks and does and covers and lies about when the people themselves are telling pollsters right, left and center? They have no faith in him whatsoever. There's not a single issue where Joe Biden is more approved than disapproved in his handling on the issue. That is Kellyanne Conway, 2024. Trump is soaring and no one seems to understand why, except for anyone comparing their lives four years ago to what they're experiencing right now. We go over the polls and the game plans. As I mentioned, the big news is Governor Sununu. I think it matters. I mean, as much as an endorsement could matter in New Hampshire in the first primary. And just this is the scenario. Ron DeSantis is going to get close to Trump, I think, within 15 points. If he is, if his ground game is better than anyone thought, and it's true, as his tradition would have it, that Iowa is impossible to predict. Even though President Trump has gone over 50 percent, I think, for the first time. And that usually means he's got it. Um, 
I think that there's a couple of things happening. If Ron DeSantis can't take him in Iowa and the president gets some, uh, the former president has momentum going to New Hampshire, I'm not sure that Nikki Haley gets 16 points from a Governor Sununu endorsement. Because right now in the real clear average, I have not seen one done lately. There's a lot of independence. With Donald Trump doing so well overall, there won't be any push to jump off the ship that I could tell yet. Here's Kellyanne Conway expanding on what she just told us. Cut to. Who cares what the media thinks and does and covers and lies about when the people themselves are telling pollsters right, left and center, this guy's got to go. They have no faith in him whatsoever. There's not a single issue where Joe Biden is more approved than disapproved in his handling on the issue. You name the issue. And these are public events where he has teleprompters. You're showing it right there. He's reading from a teleprompter and he's making these flubs and gaps. He is. Because he doesn't mean anything he says, and he keeps on running. You know what he did yesterday? He ran through that dumb story that never happened about his house almost burning down, that firefighters came and saved Jill Biden. It was a small kitchen fire. There was no fire department that was even needed. They showed up and wrote a report. Why does he keep saying these crazy stories that everybody tells him, and even the Washington Post writes up, is 100% not true? But I'm just fascinated I'm fascinated by some of the, what's going on in, for example, with CNN poll. Biden versus Trump, hypothetical matchup in Georgia. Biden loses by five. Biden versus Haley, hypothetical matchup in Georgia. Haley wins. Uh, Haley wins by six. Biden against DeSantis, hypothetical matchup in Georgia. And Biden beats DeSantis by three, which I find really strange. Uh, and then the, just not so much that Biden wins, but why would he not be resonating in Georgia? But uh, Biden's job performance in Georgia, 39%. One of the worst things I believe he did, and I won't know until you start calling me from Georgia, is when he came out and said Jim Crow 2.0, and they just did some election reforms to tighten things up. This is a state that stood up to all the challenges with the Republican Secretary of State, all the challenges of Donald Trump. And then you came out and they did some reforms with the Republican governor, and they said this is Jim Crow 2.0. Why? No water in the lines. Why is that? Have water from the election people. They don't want people being bribed on lines. Have a Sprite on me. Vote Democrat. Then they said no drop boxes. There's no pandemic. You shouldn't be doing it. We'll put some in strategic locations, but they got to be monitored. That's not Jim Crow 2.0. They lessen some hours on a Sunday. That's not Jim Crow 2.0. Drive-in voting is incredibly insecure. Think about this. You're in a car, family of five, got a bunch of 18-year-olds, and then your dad tells you how to vote or your mom says warns you to vote. She hands in all the ballots. That's not what we – that's not the privacy we deserve. So I think the people of uh, Georgia resent the fact that people are saying they're a blue state. They're a battleground state. So hypothetical matchup. Biden versus DeSantis in Michigan. It looks like in Michigan, um, Biden versus DeSantis is 49-42 DeSantis. 50-40 Trump. And also in Michigan, Haley wins by 12, 50-38. I'm not saying that Nikki Haley can beat Trump, but I'm astounded how she just thumps Biden. Where she He's not even in shouting distance. Only one in four voters express at least some enthusiasm about a Biden-Trump rematch, which makes me think that the third-party candidate, if they can't win, which I don't think they can, they could take a huge bite out of the electorate who will show up and vote regardless. Some would just will stay home. Potential vote for Kennedy as independent in 2024, 15% said probably, 26% said probably not, 48% said definitely not, 
and 6% said they don't know. In Iowa, this is significant. Trump has passed 50% support for the first time. They say that is the key in Iowa. From this point, you don't lose Iowa if you have 51% of the vote. DeSantis with 19, Haley with 16, not terrible. Ramswamy is five, and then Christie is four. Uh, so I think by I also think Biden's costing himself any shot at New Hampshire. He blew off New Hampshire and said, I'm going to South Carolina. Really? Why? Well, that's where I won. I got killed in New Hampshire last time. But in the general, you have a shot at New Hampshire, Mr. President. I don't care. I am not showing up. So now they're trying to cover for him because other people are now running for the nomination, including that Minneapolis congressman. So look out. The thing that's astounding for many people is that Trump decided to take a risk and miss all the debates. Here's the result. This is Pete Peterson from Pepperdine School of Public Policy. Cut four. It's fair to say that Trump really hasn't moved below 45 percent in yeah. Iowa. And that strategy of not participating in the debates has really worked out for him because the only movement has happened below him in those other candidates yeah. there. And so uh, Trump staying out of the debates has, has shown to be a politi- politically savvy move. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go in there, this big downside to three people just trying to kill you. But from what I've seen so far, DeSantis and Haley are trying to split the difference and say he's old. Uh, he was perfect in 2016. I'm better in 2024. Here's Britt Hume. Cut seven. I have to say this about the polling that you've been citing regarding Trump and his lead over his two chief rivals who are you know, only only a fraction of what he commands in the polling, at least. And that is that you know, if something, it always seemed possible that something could happen and his support would begin to erode and that one or the other, or perhaps both of his top rivals, would start to really gain ground on him. Well, it's getting, we're getting pretty close to the Iowa caucuses now to be followed immediately by New Hampshire, and none of that has actually happened. Yeah. Uh, he seems in a stronger position than ever. So I think we can look ahead to, to you know, it would take something quite remarkable and dramatic now to change the course of this situation. So, yeah, we have to see. Uh, And, you know, everybody like me, after 2022, I thought it would be a dogfight. I did not think Trump would run away with it. Why? Because a lot of his candidates like Mastriano, Herschel Walker, who I liked, who I think he was just destroyed by his own family. I don't think anyone predicted that. Dr. Oz, who I really like. I'm not sure why he didn't win. Uh, That was bizarre, the whole thing. But a lot of those candidates reflected on President Trump negatively. You know, uh, Blake Masters didn't work. Carrie Lake didn't work. They said, well, Trump's lost his touch. He lost. He denied it. 2022, his candidates that he picked who liked him also denied the election. They lose. So I thought he was more than vulnerable. But anyone saying he can't win now, I don't know with Governor Sununu. uh, And we'll talk to him. He's going to be on One Nation Saturday night. And I'll talk to him about it. I don't think you can say he can't win anymore. And a lot of it has to do with uh, with Joe Biden can't be president. He can't do the job, cannot do the job. His policies are terrible. We're living with the results. And we all see in our own eyes what he's up against. So major showdown on Capitol Hill. I want to do that next. I don't want to rush through it. Because uh, I am all a lot of times I don't like when people play politics, especially with national security. But here is necessary. I am all for supporting Taiwan. I am all for supporting Israel. I am all for supporting Ukraine. Give them what they need to be successful. Don't slow walk anything, but not at the expense of our border. I like that the Republicans linked the border security and asylum changes to this. But so far, 
They look as though they're not going to get anything done, according to Senator James Langford, who was on with us last week, and he's leading the negotiations for Mitch McConnell's crew this week. So don't go home for Christmas. Do not go home. You can't let Ukraine die in a vine. You can't let Israel run out of ammo. You can't have a day go by when Taiwan's not building up its defenses, nor can you have the catastrophe at the border. Do not leave until this gets done. Let's see how tough these lawmakers are if they have to give up Christmas. And I'm serious. You deal with your family on that. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, in 10 minutes, calls next, and I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the negotiations leading up to this in a moment. Brian Kilmeade Show, so glad you're here. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Without getting ahead of the president, I can assure you that that he will uh, make it clear to President Zelensky uh, that we're standing firm on this supplemental request. We absolutely need to get additional funding to support Ukraine um, uh, going forward. Uh, now, and he'll also talk to him about uh, the approach that him and his team is taken uh, on Capitol Hill. But I don't want to get further afield than that. That's John Kirby. Uh, we need we need to support Ukraine. I don't know how many times I have to tell you that. You just don't let it go. And if you want to say, okay, that's it, uh, I think they're done. I don't know. You tell me. Uh, if we got them the weapons that they need, they will win. If we slow walk everything, don't give them an Air Force and let them get barraged by the uh, the MiGs, the Russian MiGs, I believe they're still called that, on a daily basis, and you wonder why they don't move forward, I'm pretty sure I could tell you. Plus, they mine the whole field across the border. What they wanted to do is spread across the border. They feel felt as though the tactically the Ukrainians had to watch the whole border because any place they moved forward, they felt they paid the price elsewhere. They didn't want to leave any part of their country unguarded. And then for the Washington, as Senator Tom Cotton told me today, they left for to leak to the Washington Post how you differed from Ukraine on tactics is absolute betrayal. And they, the Washington Post went into detail how Ukraine was listening to them. Can we get the Ukraine side of the story? Is that possible? So what I was hoping to do, and I like that the Republicans are doing this in the House and Senate. I like that Mitch McConnell's on board with this. You better change the asylum rules as well as get more border patrol, as well as rebuild that wall if you want to get Ukrainian, Israel, and Taiwan money. Here is Senator James Lankford on the lack of progress. Cut 12. Well, it looks busy on our end. We're still getting a chance to be able to talk, waiting on the White House to be able to give us responses back and forth. We've had some very long pauses here of engagement from them. Yeah, there's long pauses, and now evidently they're just talking to each other. I hope they come back with a plan that's almost there. Here's with J.D. Vance, cut 14. They still want another $61 billion, and the only thing it's going to accomplish is turn Ukraine into a permanent client state in the United States. Laura, they're going to be unable to pay their pensioners. They're going to be unable to pay the basic function of civil government. But do you understand that they he does not understand they've been invaded. They're not just saying, well, you know, I want my rightful home. They were invaded. They wanted to take the whole country. They thought they'd have to move the capital from Kiev to leave. That's what Admiral Stavridis was predicting. 
And instead, they stay and fought. They fought him off, pushed him back, and have taken 50% of the land that they lost. They've taken it back. So if you give them the weapons they need, they do it. Also, their economy is beginning to stand up on its own. But that's what happens when you're at war. And it should not be surprising to J.D. Vance, who actually fought in a war. Here's Zelensky, cut 11. If there's anyone inspired by unresolved issues on Capitol Hill, it's just Putin and his sick clique. They see the dreams come through when they see the, the delays or some scandals. So he's saying the guy that loves it most is, is Vladimir Putin. The battle for the funding. Does that tell you anything about where you're at? Also, do you know that he's trying to expand his presence and build up his navy to expand his, his presence uh, in his ports and around the area? All right, uh, that's it. An expansion. Our enemies are on the march. But I do believe that Republicans are 100% right when it comes to our border. Texas authorities said a $2 million bond for illegal immigrants suspected in Texas cheerleading murder. Remember that. Meanwhile, the Johnson administration, the mayor's administration over in Chicago, has begun filing lawsuits against operators of what they call rogue buses of migrants coming to their city. They just have a few thousand, maybe 10,000. In New York, we have over 150,000 have come through. It's believed about 100,000 are still here. This is a crisis of Biden proportions. That's exactly it. They say the Daily Mail writes that President Biden's border policies are encouraging migrants to come to the U.S. because they know they will be released into the U.S. even if they are arrested. Border Patrol chiefs tell Republicans that are, to, uh, that are investigating Mayorkas that that is indeed his policy. And he doesn't run from it unless he's in front of Capitol Hill. That's the problem. So to me, you do not go on vacation. You do not go home for Christmas if you have not done a deal. Democrats and Republicans, how can you actually leave Washington without a deal? Use the deadline as uh, as a motivation motivator to get these negotiation towards a resolution. Have it all included. And you know who would benefit the most? President Biden. He'll run again on how he brought everybody together to do massive $120 billion supplemental for three important conflicts and was able to also secure the border. He'd be able to run on this, and I don't care. I just want it fixed. I'll talk to Colonel Alan West about that. He used to be in Congress. Uh, We'll talk about that, too. Uh, So uh, back in a moment, Brian Kilmeade Show. Fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Guy seems to be doing a lot of international traveling for guys in the middle of war. He's just been partying in Argentina with the new leader over there. Um, we don't have any money to give him. We have to borrow the money. He wants a, you know, they want to give him 60, 70 billion dollars more. I think that uh, the war is at a stalemate, and I think it's time to negotiate. I think there needs to be a negotiated peace. Not because I love what has happened. I think it's terrible that Russia invaded the country. But Russia occupies the land. I don't think he's moving them out. I don't think Russia is going to be able to take over Ukraine either. San Rand Paul, General Rand Paul, weighs in on what's possible. So it's nice to know that the 
Kentucky senator wants to negotiate with the Russians. That's good to know. As far as I know, he's never even been there, never talked to anyone. Hope he has some of that exchanges with Zelensky. Can you imagine an army that takes out 300,000 Russians and we just want to cave in? I know we're spending a lot of money, but it is staying here. The weapons we're sending we have, we are coming back with modernary weapons. The taxpayer dollars goes into U.S. manufacturers. And every old NATO allies are beginning to buy American because they realize they have to arm up because of Vladimir Putin and some other challenges. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us. Uh, he's the executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union. Colonel, welcome back. Your thoughts about the gravity of this weapons package and the border reforms that have to be done by the end of the week. How important is this? Well, I think it's hugely important. It's great to be with you, Brian. But without a doubt, you know, I don't think we have to spend, and we've had this conversation before, it's not about spending a bunch of money here at our border. It's about the policy changes that need to happen. And i give you a great case in point. There was a story that came out this weekend over Breitbart that there was a special lane uh, that, that allowed illegal immigrants to bypass TSA security at an airport, I believe, in Arizona. That, that's a policy that should not be implemented. How can we look to American citizens and say, you have to present picture ID and proof of who you are in order to get into an airport and to get onto an airplane, but yet we're going to allow people that have no identification whatsoever to get on airplanes. That's a security risk. So I think those policy changes need to be made, and then we can talk about how we can thwart Vladimir Putin and his uh, intentions there in Eastern Europe, which really that's what it's all about. It's not just Ukraine. But I'm glad to see our NATO allies sort of stepping up. And Senator Rand Paul talking about a negotiated settlement, a negotiated peace with Russia. You cannot have a negotiated peace with a dictator at a despot, which is who Vladimir Putin is. Uh, that is true. I think we could do it all at once, don't you? If, if we are sincere. Yeah. Yeah, well, if the Biden administration is sincere, and I don't think the Biden administration is sincere, I think the Biden administration wants to, for whatever reason, protect the sovereignty of Ukraine, but undermine the sovereignty of the United States of America. So we can do both. We can protect the sovereignty of the United States of America, and we can assist Ukraine in protecting their sovereignty. So when I hear Lankford say, I'm not optimistic this is going to get done and we'll go on a vacation Friday, I'm outraged. I'm outraged. Are you kidding me? Did you see Griff Jenkins at the border? Did you see Bill Malusian? These people are screaming out Morocco, Nicaragua, Venezuela. They're yeah. smiling and they're, they know they're coming to stay and they're going to be here. We have no idea who they are. They're going right in. We, I saw a thousand people lined up this morning as the sun came up. Well, I will tell you, my wife and I have been, you know, driving around here in Dallas County, and we've noticed a lot more of these young Hispanic women with their children on their back or on, you know, the carriages on, on, on the front of the chest, uh, standing on, on street corners selling flowers. Uh, that was not something that you saw regularly around Dallas County maybe uh, two or three months ago. But yet we're seeing it. And we know that these are young women and these children that are here illegally. And there have been uh, human traffic. So these are the things that we see every day. And shame on the United States Congress when they talk about we got to go on vacation instead of getting the business done to protect the security and the sovereignty of the United States of America and also our global interests. 
So this is why people are so frustrated with Congress in that they really don't care about getting things done. They go up there and look at our fiscal situation. Uh, some I guess do. we're going to have to suffer another omnibus. Well, some do, but they're not the majority. And I guess we'll have to suffer another omnibus spending package, which will just push us deeper into debt. I don't think so. I, I mean, my thing is this. This is one of the few times, but you, you did this for a living. This is one of the few times that the Republicans actually have leverage. And, and their leverage is not so we cut taxes. It's not so we uh, raise the age of Social Security or something subtle. This is securing the border, which helps our entire country and any sober-minded, clear-thinking individual isn't ridiculously poisoned uh, uh, poisoned politically and just blind to the, the, the danger. And they say, I'm gonna, I am going to use leverage to make you do the right thing. Because Schumer knows the Ukraine war collapses without us, and that will be a disaster for his party, and so does Israel collapse without us. Now, I know we did some emergency funding, and they were re- much more resourceful. Now, actually, I can't say that. They might have more resources, and they're on the offensive right now. But all this stuff has to get done, and that's why I think Chuck Schumer, I hope, is playing possum. Well, I think what people are always leery about is, you're right, Republicans have leverage, but people have seen Republicans have leverage countless amounts of times previously, and somehow they end up stealing, uh, uh, you know, they they don't get the victory. What do they say? You end up stealing defeat out of the jaws of victory? Yes. Uh, That happens a lot in the Republican Party. Yeah, right. and it happens a lot to the Republican Party, and people are concerned about that. So, yes, you have an opportunity to put pressure on Chuck Schumer, and you have an opportunity to say, you know, this is not something you want to see happen going into 2024 when you see further global, uh, you know, uh, collapses in these uh, with our foreign policy and in these engagements we have against a dictator and a despot, Vladimir Putin, and against an Islamic terrorist organization, Hamas. All right. Uh, I want to talk about this election if we can. Uh, Governor Sununu has endorsed Nikki Haley. We know she's got the Koch brothers. We also know she's got Ken Langone, co-founder of Home Depot, who was a big supporter yeah. of Trump and said, I just can't. The way Trump left was a disgrace. I cannot support him. But if you watch, you look at these polls, uh, one of the things Sununu says is Trump can't win. I don't think anyone thinks that anymore. I don't even think Trump's no. greatest enemy, Liz Cheney, thinks that anymore. I don't think Chris Christie thinks that anymore. If you look at the individual polls, he just went through it for our audience. But as you know, he's beating Biden by 10 points in Michigan, by five points in uh, by five points in Georgia, uh, in Pennsylvania. The last one he was winning at. I don't I haven't seen him lose the national poll in about two months. And when Nikki Haley wins by more than Trump, just about everywhere. But she's not close to Trump in the primary. So I don't think that argument can be made that he can't beat Biden. Can you? No, it can't. If if you want to say, you know, this polling and this trend of polling is very correct. I mean, we've seen this now, like you said, for the last two or three months. 
people are starting to wake up and see what is happening with this Biden administration, what it's doing to the United States of America. You just saw the core inflation is still rising, and people feel that, especially as they're going out trying to buy Christmas presents, and also they felt it, uh, you know, at the grocery stores and at the gas pump. And they see what is happening with the illegal immigration. They see what's happening with the chaos that's on the international platforms and stage. And all of this has occurred in this administration these past three years. So you can say all you want about Donald Trump's personality, mean tweets, all this type of stuff. We know that he needs a little bit of a a dose of self-discipline, but you cannot argue with the policies that uh, he implemented over his uh, one term of four years. And I think that's what the American people, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, they want to see uh, come back. Right. Here's Kellyanne Conway. Cut to. Who cares what the media thinks and does and covers and lies about when the people themselves are telling pollsters right, left and center, this guy's got to go. They have no faith in him whatsoever. There's not a single issue where Joe Biden is more approved than disapproved in his handling on the issue. You name the issue. And these are public events where he has teleprompters. You're showing it right there. He's reading from a teleprompter and he's making these flubs and gaps. Right. Uh this is so the thing is, he doesn't look like he can do the job. And Trump says, do you remember no. when I did the job? So yesterday I found it fascinating. I know we're not lawyers, but Jack Smith is so frustrated because this guy's supposed to be seeking justice. Instead, he just wants Trump. Nobody can convince me differently. Yeah. And yesterday's more proof of it. He wants Trump says, yeah, you, know, you can't even charge me with January 6th. I was president back then. I have immunity. So they went to a lower court. Then they're going to go to an appeals court. And he said, screw that. I'm going right to the Supreme Court. Let's find out if I if you do, in fact, have immunity and they will. They said, we'll hear it. We can't guarantee you will make a ruling on it. What about Jack Smith and how obvious he's making it? He's going for conviction. And now we find out that he's gotten phone records, the recordings of Donald Trump on the phone on Air Force One. He's got the recordings. I'm saying to myself, wait a second. A prosecutor has the recordings of a sitting of a maybe future president and past president of the United States. Does that sound ethical to you? No, it doesn't sound ethical. And you know that's one of the reasons why we don't need to, uh, you know, reinstate that FISA court thing, this warrantless uh, surveillance and what have you. But Jack Smith and so many of these others uh, remind me of Don Quixote. They're out there just chasing windmills, and this is all about you know trying to keep. A, a former president uh, from becoming president once again. There really is no there there. And, and I've said before, the only case maybe you could have concerns about would be in Georgia. But even with, uh, you know, Fannie, uh, I think it's Wells or Fannie Smith, whatever her name is, uh, that's starting to fall apart. So everyone sees that these people are going after one person for one reason. They're going after their political opposition. And how banana republic can we be when we see the levels of government being used against someone that's running for president? So that's why you see his poll numbers increasing. That's why he's gone from 48 percent to 51 percent in Iowa. And so I believe that you're going to see a clean sweep for President Trump in Iowa, New Hampshire, and then South Carolina. Uh, And Super Tuesday, March of next year, I think he will seal the deal. He'll be the nominee. Yeah, I mean, certain picking up a, a lot of endorsements. But again, the big news today is Governor Sununu's going with Nikki Haley. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, thanks so much. Oh, it was a pleasure. Merry Christmas, Brian. Uh, back at you. I'll talk to you next week. one 408 We'll do that when we come back. The story that's uh, one of the feel-good stories out is not named Taylor Swift and uh, Jason Kelsey. Uh, that's happening right now. 
in the NFL. You'll hear about it when we come back. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Brian, it, it looks like it looks like one resigned, one might follow. Have you considered resigning? A lot uh, of people they won't really accept hoping. my resignation. <laughs> yes. <They won't> accept <laughs> it. Brian has uh, resigned from Fox and Friends. Like they'll go, where's Brian's? Uh, Brian's on his office. He's on the second floor trying to resign. They just won't accept it. <laughs> and I think we should do this, Greg. Maybe you could start it because you have so much free time. I do. A woke rating on mm. all these schools. Yeah, that's a great Let's idea. Let's do a woke rating. That's great. Do you want to take it as yours, or yeah, are you just yeah. placating me? You have a very low <laughs> woke rating, Brian, because no one's awake when you're. <laughs> that is a little of the magic of last night's Craig Gutfeld show. Uh, why do I do that show again, Allison? Do you know? You like the abuse? Yeah. No? But Maybe. it's true, though. A lot of people are not awake. There are people in this building that have no idea we have a morning show. They're just nighttime people. Do they like, say hi to you? Like, oh, hey, are you going to get my yeah, coffee like, today? They're like, are you, what do you do here? I mean, they will, you know, literally they think I'm maintenance. So is that the real reason you are on the channel 24-7? Like, you never say no. So people will know who you are in the building. Well, you know I say no. There are times I have to say no. It's rare. But yes, you will say no. I will say no. Well, we got to get the word out about Pittsburgh. So we got to get uh, uh, a Mulhall. Mulhall, I should say. Yes, right outside of Pittsburgh. Right. The live show is very fun. The thing you never highlight enough, I think, which is one of the most enduring features of the show, is that Rick and Pat are there who are your, like, grade school and high school friends. So you will get dirt on Brian that you will never get on the air. Right, in the VIP section, in exactly. the VIP time. And then afterwards, we do the Q&A. Pat's uh, one of the top comedians in the country. He does the open, and then Rick is the MC, And that used to be it. But what changed, Allison? Oh, so now you, you decided you wanted to make them actors so they right. can, you know, start to submit to the Academy for some awards. Yes. For the and, Tonys. And the only problem with their acting ability is? They have none. Thank you. <laughs> so, which makes it so great. So we take great moments in history that actually happened in the book, and it's all based on real, but they have a good time. No script. They just go ahead and reenact these great moments in time. So everything with George Washington's Secret Six, everything with, not everything, just one, one scene, Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, uh, the financing of the ground war. And then with, um, we have Andrew Jackson, the Miracle of New Orleans. Uh, then we have with him dealing with pirates. Yes, and then Pat's Sam a Houston, pirate, and it's, it's not stereotypical in any way, shape, or form. Right. <laughs> and then Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, now the president of Freedom, Freedom Fighter. Now, it's, it is somewhat challenging because right now they're both white. So we have to be respectful of no, the fact that Frederick— you have to go Frederick, full blackface. No, I'm pretty sure we don't—I'm pretty sure we're not going to do that. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel made sure I shouldn't do that because I remember he took the summer off, which is the most interesting way to handle controversy. It's going to take off for two months, right? Think about that. It was a I'd be vac- off like Brian, every other day if I was... Brian, it was a planned vacation. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. The whole summer. Yep. And then, and now we do, uh, now we do Teddy and Booker T. And we talk about the controversial dinner at the White House, which should not be controversy, but sadly it was at that time. But Teddy and Booker T, uh, I'm going all over the country with it. This is the last, we're going to have different events, but this is the last weekend we're all going to be gone. Friday night in uh, Mulhall, Pennsylvania, BrianKillMe.com. Saturday, this is selling out quick now. Uh, This is really picking up. We're going to be in beautiful Holland, Michigan. Remember they were telling us who, I'm not sure which city we are that says, I'm in Holland, Michigan. It's the most idyllic 
town you can imagine in Michigan. Um, but the caveat was in the summer. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. In the winter. Right. <laughs> but, you know, we could have the Fire Island charm and maybe not somewhat landlocked. Maybe there's a lake. It and then Sunday we're going to be? On Sunday we're going to be in Wichita, Kansas. KQAM. It's going to be fantastic. We haven't been to that affiliate yet, so I'm very much looking forward I've to I've only that. been to Kansas one time, but it is one of the top Fox markets in the country. So it should be a good time. Right. So, you, Or you can go to, if uh, you're not going to see me in person, Teddy and Booker T. Uh, the book can be available. It goes to my local bookstore. I'm able to personalize it and get it out if you hurry because we're probably inside 12 days until we get uh, to Christmas. And if you guys want tickets and VIP, because VIP before the show, about an hour before, we get a chance to talk, ask any questions, give you a preview on the show. We also talk a little bit of sports and give you some inspirational, motivational, um, patriotic uh, sense of what's going on. So that's always fun. Um, so you'll see that there. And of course you will always be able to get the podcast here at BrianKilmeadShow.com. next week. We're also, we're also going to be on the road soon in, uh, Fort Lauderdale, but we're all, oh, excuse me, Illinois. We have um, a, we have a date in Illinois. It's in January, January 20, it's that January Sunday, 21st. Yep. So that should be great too. So that's selling out rapidly too, even though it's uh, over a month away. So go to BrianKilme.com. You can order those tickets. And with every ticket, you get a book. And it's Fox Nation's a sponsor. They're going to stream one of these. And with it, uh, you get a free. They'll see some type of offer for you from Fox Nation, whether it's six months, a year, something Fox Nation-oriented, which is a fantastic app. If you like Fox, you will love Fox Nation. All types of uh, historical and special features there. Uh, you can always get the primetime lineup, too. The next day is there. So thanks so much for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't go anywhere. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening. We come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world. A lot of controversy here because it seems as though Mayor Adams, now he's being accused of making the budget uh, seem overly dire, blaming illegal immigrants for the reasons why he's cutting back. Now, I know you guys get it, but do you understand something? These are Democrats dealing with the city council, all Democrats. He's not making it up. It's costing $7 billion, and it's going to cost more next year. What is he making up? You have to cut something. That's what you do while you leave the sanctuary city status intact and the right to shelter in place. This hour, we're going to be joined, uh, we're going to be joined by Steve Garvey. He's running for Senate in California. Uh, we'll do a simulcast with Varney and Company. Jason Chaffetz standing by. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. What they're trying to do is they're trying to kill me, knowing that it will be a pain greater than my father could be able to handle. And so therefore, destroying a presidency in that way. Exactly. We're trying to kill us. The country is trying to kill Hunter Biden, not the crack and the hookers. That didn't kill Hunter Biden. And not driving drunk or on crack 130 miles an hour. That didn't kill Hunter Biden. That was all Hunter Biden trying to kill Hunter Biden. But of course, as usual, with addicts, most of them, especially ones that are pretending to be coming off 
uh, an addiction because I don't doesn't sound like he's healed. Uh, blame other people. Number two. If there's anyone inspired by unresolved issues on Capitol Hill, it's just Putin. They see the dreams come through when they see the delays or some scandals. That is uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, getting it done. He's got to get it done. He's in town to ask for aid. He deserves it. Israel's moving through Gaza. They need help. They deserve it. Taiwan can't let a day go by without improving their defense. They deserve it. But most of all, you deserve a secure border. Get asylum changes. Get it all done. Or don't go home for Christmas. Number one. Who cares what the media thinks and does and covers and lies about when the people themselves are telling pollsters right, left and center? They have no faith in him whatsoever. There's not a single issue where Joe Biden is more approved than disapproved in his handling on the issue. Kellyanne Conway, 2024. Trump is soaring and no one seems to understand why, except for anyone comparing their lives four years ago to what we're all experiencing right now. We go over the polls and the game plan. And we'll do it with Jason Chaffetz, the Fox News contributor, former House Oversight Committee chairman, author of The Puppeteers. Uh, Congressman, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. So uh, we saw that Governor Sununu a couple hours ago has indicated that he's going to make it a formal announcement that he's going to endorse Governor Haley. Uh, what does that do to the race for New Hampshire? Uh, look, if if Donald Trump rolls in Iowa, I, I, I think it's essentially over. But um, look, Governor Sununu's uh, well-respected, well-liked. Sununu family in New Hampshire, there's, there's it's them and everybody else. Um, and his endorsement means a lot. Can he put him over to the top? I, I don't know. Um, but New Hampshire is an important first primary, but then you start rolling to these other states and Super Tuesday. And I, I don't see anything in any polling. I mean, you look at all of them across the board, and it all seems that it points to Trump. It does. Uh, do you think that Ron DeSantis is win or out in Iowa? Yes. I, I, I think he has put his flag there. He's traveled the 99 counties, or at least he's about to finish off the 99 counties. He's all in in Iowa. If he doesn't do exceptionally well, I, you know, then I, I, I think he needs to seriously consider uh, what his options are. But he, I, where else is he going to make a stand? I'm not sure. Um, so here's what Pete Peterson said. His Pepperdine School of Public Policy has noticed, despite not going to the debates, Trump has only increased. Listen, cut for it. It's fair to say that Trump really hasn't moved below 45 percent in yeah. Iowa. And that strategy of not participating in the debates has really worked out for him because the only movement has happened below him in those other candidates yeah. there. And so uh, Trump staying out of the debates has, has shown to be a politi- politically savvy move. Yeah. Uh, were you surprised by that? I mean, not being in the fray? No, because he's on our televisions every single day. He's He can draw an audience like nobody else. He shows up anywhere. He's going to get tens of thousands of people to come out. And he's look, he's got four years of history, as you mentioned before, Brian. People know what it was like under Trump. The world was secure. Your wallet was secure. Everything was good under Donald Trump. I want to talk to uh, you about the Hunter Biden situation. The The uh, impeachment inquiry is going to move forward. There's only a three-point margin difference. We know that uh, they they lost at least one congressman who's Ken Buck, who has wants no part of anything. He just wants to leave. So that's two. Do you think that John, Speaker Johnson's got the votes to move on in inquiry? 
Well, this is where Tom Emmer has got, as the whip, has got to really do a solid count. I think what's going to be interesting is the Democrats, they normally move in lockstep, but how many times do we hear the Democrats say, oh, nobody's above the law, and, and yet... How can you not do this, particularly with the indictments coming out of California? Put that on top of the other indictments. Uh, there's so much evidence here. I think Democrats in vulnerable states are in a precarious position with this vote. Don't know that any of them come over, but I'm sure they're certainly trying. So I want you to hear from Hunter Biden a fascinating take on why he thinks he uh, why he thinks he has found himself charged multiple times on tax violations as well as the gun violation. Cut 17. This whole idea that this this may not in every aspect be a Russian disinformation campaign, but it has literally every earmark of what the Russians did. What they're trying to do is they're trying to kill me, knowing that it will be a pain greater than my father could be able to handle. And so therefore destroying a presidency in that way. Okay, we, oh added, we added those two points together. But we don't hear much from Hunter. What are your thoughts? Um, first of all, he doesn't deny any of the allegations. The only one that was accused and actually documented as taking money from Russia uh, is uh, is Hunter Biden, who's taken evidently millions of dollars, plus the hundred plus million dollar real estate transaction was involved in the company that that Hunter Biden owned and was a participant in. Um, how convenient to try to say Russia, Russia, Russia. Unfortunately, that was a playbook from five years ago. It ain't going to fly. He wasn't charged by Republicans. The, the, the uh, Department of Justice and these prosecutors, there's all hardcore Democrats. So he's got nobody to blame. If he thinks he's going to blame, you know, Donald Trump, the Republicans and some right wing conspiracy, he's got another thing coming. I think America understands you cannot explain away the 20 plus shell companies, the millions of dollars coming from China, Russia, Ukraine, Romania and others. $100,000 going to Joe Biden's grandkids and then expect everybody to turn around and say, oh, yeah, that, that's Republicans doing that. That's not a conspiracy. That's the reality. That's the documentation from the Oversight and Judiciary Committee. So when people say the investigation hasn't shown anything, what is your take? What is your response to that? Well, other than millions of dollars, bank records, uh, physical checks, text messages, emails, voicemails, um, suspicious activity reports, 20 shell companies, um, all of these indictments other than that. Oh, and whistleblowers with high degrees of credibility. Other than that, yeah, no involvement from Joe Biden here. Um, direct payments to Joe Biden. Uh, you, as Senator Johnson has pointed out, money that was flowing, that was highlighted as suspicious, going to the Biden residence there uh, used as an address in Delaware. All of this points to Joe Biden it, it, it's, and Hunter Biden and the Biden family. There, there's, there, there's so much evidence. It's almost laughable to say there's none. Right. I want you to hear what Jim Jordan said yesterday. Cut 22. The timing is interesting because when that first investment happens, it's in February of 2014. It happens a week before Russia invades Crimea. And then it's two weeks after when there are sanctions put on all kinds of oligarchs in Russia. And her, for some reason, she escapes the sanctions. And then literally the very next month, the very next month in Italy is when the, the head of the Burisma, 
offers Hunter Biden a position on the board, and at that meeting is also none other than Elena Bacharina. So it's, they're all connected right from the get-go, and they continue this pattern of shaking down foreign companies, foreign influence, and getting the money all the way through uh, while he's vice president. And then, of course, it continued all the way into 2018. Do you think that timing is something suspicious? Yeah, I mean, the former mayor of Moscow pouring millions of dollars, supposedly a diamond, uh, I think, was one of the allegations that was moving for, for, through there. Yeah, is that highly suspicious? <laughs> yes, it is, particularly given Joe Biden's participation in Ukraine, the billion dollars that he used as leverage to try to say, hey, we got to get rid of the prosecutor. Oh, and who's the beneficiary of that? Oh, it just happens to be the company that that Hunter Biden's involved with. I mean, I can't imagine a scenario. If you wrote this out as a movie script, nobody would buy it. But this is the this is documented evidence. This is not, hey, we think this is what happened. Those are what the documents show. All right, Congressman Jason Chaffetz, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. All right. Uh, meanwhile, when we come back, I'll open up the phones, one 866 I also want to expand on the deal that isn't and what Vladimir, Vladimir Zelensky could be saying uh, to Republicans. Many senators are on board. It's certain, except for Rand Paul, but he's never on board. Uh, but certain House members won't be. Will he change their minds? I want to get your take. Brian Kilmeade Show. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Look at DeVito. Who is this guy he's talking to? (laughs) Okay, look, whatever you need, I got you. I'll take care of it, all right? Come on, Tay, that's, that's his agent. Of course that's his agent. Come on, Tommy DeVito's agent. That's, what's in the bag? Him. What's in the bag? What's in the bag? I wonder what's in the bag. Some cutlass, some cutlass for later. You know, it looks like, mom. It looks like, it looks like Johnny Fontaine from The Godfather. And, and he's not kidding. So what happens is that's the Madden cast last night. They had two games at once. They had the Dolphin game and the Giant game. Dolphins uh, lost to the Titans. And the Giants uh, stunned the Packers, who were on a roll. And they did it with their third-string quarterback, Tommy DeVito, who they wouldn't let throw a pass when, uh, when, um, when, their sec- when their backup quarterback got hurt. So they would not let him throw a pass. I think they got into overtime. They didn't. I'm not sure that they won that game or not. But then they go up with Tommy DeVito. He has to start the following week. They win. Then they win again. And this week, uh, they had a chance to bench him and go with the second-string quarterback. No, they say, let's leave with Tommy. He throws for 156 yards, nearly perfect. I think he uh, was 18 to 23. And he did in front of his hometown. What is the big deal about this? He's from New Jersey. He lives at home. The quarterback of the Giants, 25 years old, lives at home, brags about it, says, my mom does my laundry and is a great cook. Why would I go anywhere else? So now he's the starting quarterback of the Giants. They are now one game out of the wild card race, believe it or not. There's five teams tied at six and seven. They are five and eight. So now all of a sudden people are saying this team might be in contention. And what's with this quarterback? Undrafted, unknown, from Syracuse, went to Syracuse, then went to University of Illinois. Everyone's like, why would the Giants keep someone on their roster they wouldn't let throw? I don't know. But I, I was the same way. I said, if, he must be terrible if you wouldn't even let him throw a pass. But it turns out he can play. They just didn't think he knew the playbook. And now he's on a roll. 
And the Manning cast couldn't get enough of it. So they're describing his agent on the sidelines. Now, I thought he was kidding. He's literally his agent. He's wearing some 1950s hat. Looks like the typical agent from maybe uh, an Abbott and Costello movie. And he's sitting on the sidelines talking to Tommy in a hoodie and the rest of his family in the stands, kissing them on the cheek like every Italian stereotype. The family hugging everybody. Big tailgate in the uh, at the Meadowlands. Here's more from Eli Manning, Cut 28. Do you call him Tommy DeVito or do you just call him Cutlets? What do you call him? I, thought, I call him Tommy Cutlets. He likes the nickname. I asked him about the nickname. Uh, he said he was kind of okay with it. And then when Saquon, like, that's all he calls him is Tommy Cutlets or just Cutlets. So once Saquon started calling him that, it was, it was stuck. It was in there. So that's it. This is a big story, right? It's fantastic. I think just everyone can relate to it. Everyone's happy for him. Uh, so very Jersey, you right? And he puts it. his hands up in the air like a Mamma Mia, like a typical stereotypical Italian uh, from you think from Brooklyn. If you're doing a reenactment of the, uh, let's say the Brooklyn Dodgers, and you want to talk about what it was like in that old neighborhood, that's how you picture Italian people in the turn of the century, first generation immigrants. He seems to embrace it, and the family looks the part, and. It would be different if he wasn't Italian, but he is. He's Italian. And he loves his chicken cutlets. Right. So I don't know what happens to him, but it's a pretty amazing story, unless he has a terrible game. A lot of times you get these quarterbacks who have a couple of good games, and then people want to put them in the Hall of Fame, and they can't replicate it. But they uh, they went ahead and won 22-21. And to do it, in a, with a minute 33 left, he had to go 59 yards and set up the game-winning field goal. He did just that. After blowing the lead, not in his fault, but Saquon, I think, fumbled. So uh, the Green Bay converts. They go ahead of the Giants by one. They're very much in division, in contention for the division with Detroit faltering of late. And then the Giants rally, and they win again 22-21. Let's listen. Third down and seven. Great action from DeVito. End zone. Catch is made. Touchdown, Isaiah Hodgins. They're about 15, 16 yards short of the outside. A field goal range. Forget it. Wandale Robinson sets up the Giants. The hold, the kick, the win for the Giants and Tommy DeVito. Joe Buck's good. Yeah, with Troy Aikman. The stadium went nuts. And And keep on, this team is four and eight. Four and eight. And usually. You know, when your team goes like that and it's at the end of the season, it was pretty cold last night. It was about 35 degrees. You kind of go, okay, listen, it's a Monday night. I got to work tomorrow. I got Christmas shopping to do. Take my tickets. But the place was sold out, jam-packed, playing against the Packers. Pretty cool. Not when the Giants are playing well. Like, they haven't had – Oh, like, when they it, play well. It's so exciting. Like, if you're a local you're like, finally, we can go there and enjoy a good game. So many of my friends I saw were at the game with their kids. It was late. They're like, this was worth it. You know, they're finally excited to be there. Right. But you know what's the worst? It's not that the Giants are bad. It's always bad. But when the Giants, last year, they won a playoff game. They make the playoffs. Everyone said the coach of the year was Brian Dable, the rookie coach. Everyone said this. there's no saying uh, what the Giants can't accomplish. And then they come out and they get crushed, open up, I think, one and two, but get just destroyed by Dallas, where you don't even think they're in the same league. They got destroyed by Dallas twice. Then they play the Jets, and it was probably one of the worst football games ever played. The Jets, for some reason, squeeze it out. They did not deserve it, but uh, they that would have been a win. Can you imagine if the Giants were actually 6-7 and seven now instead of 5-8? Uh, and eight? So 
That's the story. 24-22. There's about, I'm counting them now, six, one, two, three. It looks like seven pages of stories on Tommy DeVito in the New York Post. That's incredible. But it's interesting. It's great. It's like he's a Jersey guy. He's back home. And like you said earlier at one point, his mom's doing his laundry. How many quarterbacks are doing their own laundry, Brian? I'm pretty sure that answer is zero. Oh, good point. But the thing is, you should offer to do the laundry. And your mom's saying, listen, you're quarterback of the team. I should do it. Remember that Billy Joel has that song. If you're, if you're a wizard, uh, Eric, if you're 29 and your mother makes your bed, that's too long. You know what I'm talking about. You, you never listen? heard it? You've never been to a Billy Joel concert? That's not one of the top lyrics when I think I Billy think it's Joel. 21. If you're 21 and your mom makes your bed, that's too long. But if you listen to Admiral McRaven, you should make your bed regardless of age at all. Right. That's a good point. We're always back to the military with you. I would not doubt that Eric will take this as a personal challenge, and we will bump in with that song. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's compounding with more polls after 538 said that, uh, and that's a left-wing organization, said that Biden's the least popular president in modern history. And all they do is do polls, real clear politics, same kind of thing. It's not just one poll. Wall Street Journal's very... Let's say they don't take chances, and it's not really friendly to Trump, but there's some good things that we need to understand. Uh, everything Biden touched seems to turn bad. It's, you know, obviously the inflation, the economy, but the whole world's on fire. People sort of remember it was calm under the society was calm. It seemed to be safer under Trump. But yeah. under this circumstance, these polls are going bad. It's great news for Trump. Bad news for uh, Biden. So Sean Steele, he's with the California Republican National Committee, and he's speaking out right now about really what people are saying about Joe Biden. Even Democrats are not excited about him. They Some are even divided on Israeli policy. On the surface, he says, I'm all in for Israel, goes and visits after the horrific October 6th attack, October 7th attack. Got it. But now he's behind the scenes putting pressure to call it off and end it. Not good. But in the meantime, on his left, they are outraged, and most young people – Democrats, not Republicans, are against the president's policies in Gaza. And that's costing him in Michigan, where there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, big Muslim community. They look at that as anti-Muslim. It's not anti-Muslim. It's called survival. We know that. Here's more for Sean Steele. Cut six. The enthusiasm for Biden's rock bottom. So people may say they're going to vote for Biden. Are they actually going to go through the trouble to actually show up? We see this particularly with young people. And we're seeing a big desertions against uh, Biden. It's, it's almost ahistorical among African-Americans. And then the split in the Democrat Party, the anti-Semitism, Israel. Yep. There's a tremendous struggle that Schumer's now attacking other Democrats yep. in the House. So their Democrat Party, we talk about Republicans having problems. Yeah, this is their fracturing. And I think that guys like Chuck Schumer is surprised as anybody, the anti-Semitic fever, fervor on college campuses, what we saw last week in those committee hearings, equal outrage as well as on Republicans and Democratic side, but yet young people are all on board with the anti-Israel fervor in our country and the political correctness in some cases it's taking place. So that's fracturing them. What they're now looking at, too, is the Democratic governor of Arizona coming out and just excoriating the administration 
on their stance on the border, saying it's intolerable. Gave, I think she gave them uh, a bill, gave the federal government a bill for $500 million and said, this is what you've cost us in Arizona. A Democrat and the Democratic mayor of New York City and the Democratic mayor of Chicago, who's an embarrassment with 25 percent ratings uh, per approval rating himself. But this is what's happening to Democrats. This is what's fracturing. This is the opportunity. Uh, Roe v. Wade aside, this is a major opportunity. So I think this is something that needs to be looked at. Here's a, This is the big battle, though. I want the border thing done and still get these wars financed. When people like J.D. Vance come out, he's an extremely bright guy, and say, well, enough, no blank checks for Ukraine. It is not a blank check. It is a check to allow them to defend themselves at a rate that would bring to heel one of our premier enemies on the planet, and they've killed 300,000 of them, while pushing back 50 and gaining back 50% of what was stolen from them by the Russians themselves while we slow walk them weapons. And, as should be pointed out, we are baking the weapons here. The taxpayer dollars are not going to Ukraine. They're going to weapon systems made here. So we send them what we have and rebuild the modernized weapons weapons for what we need at a pace in which I hope would increase. But that is staying here. They say it's overall about 5% of our defense budget in order to take down 300,000 Russian troops minimum. You don't think that's a you don't think that's a good investment in the big picture? I think it's great investment. And I think it makes sense, too, because other people that can write checks that aren't under attack right now, and you're talking about Sweden, Finland, Lithuania, Poland, who's spending 3% of their budget on armaments, I think all of them think it's a pretty good idea uh, if we could exchange it and define it that way, which is exactly what's happening. Here's where we're at now with the negotiations. Here's Senator James Langford. Essentially, he's ready to go. Cut 12. Well, it looks busy on our end. We're still getting a chance to be able to talk, waiting on the White House to be able to give us responses back and forth. We've had some very long pauses here of engagement from them. And that's why. That's what John Cornyn said. And you know John Cornyn. You know, he's partisan, but he's not a firebrand. Cut 16. I don't think the president is personally engaged. Um, they, We said a long time ago that in, in the absence of any meaningful border policy changes that we weren't going to proceed to the rest of the supplemental. Senator Schumer has has put this at the end of the year right before the holidays, so we've <laughs> simply, I think, running out of time. I personally am convinced that we need to continue supporting Ukraine because I don't think Putin will stop there. But if he wants to come and visit with us, we'll extend him the courtesy of a visit, but um, I don't think it's going to change any minds. So get it done. Uh, I don't know why. Gee, I think Chuck Schumer really wants to get this done. I don't know why he put it up against the clock. Maybe he thought, he said, I would like to bring up the immigration bill separately. That's not going to work. You know what's going to happen. Separately, it's going to be a light bill that does almost nothing except some soft-sided structures to put more illegal immigrants there. They'll maybe have a movable wall but not an actual wall. They'll may- maybe move to repair some of the breaches in the wall, add some border patrol, but that's not enough. So there's no way they're going to go for that. And as far as I'm concerned, they shouldn't at all, even though they do need uh, the whole thing done. So that's just it. Senator Langford was on in our studio last week saying that there's a, he was going to talk to Mayorka shortly and he thinks they could get something done. I don't know what happened in the interim, but suddenly now I'm seeing these statements yesterday, quote, 
We're not going to be able to get it done by Thursday or Friday. We are still working through the text. We're still working through all the things that we have to do to get it done. And there's large areas that are unresolved. He went on to say, it's great the White House and Dems have been talking all weekend about the border, but Republicans need to be involved. We are not going to make any real progress on securing the border until everything is on the table. No joke. When we come back, I'll be able to squeeze in some calls. Also, we're going to go over the Hunter Biden situation, and I'll give you information how to see me this Friday in Pittsburgh and Saturday in Munn Hall and Sunday in Wichita. And don't forget to pick up Teddy and Booker T, our two American icons, blaze to path to racial equality. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, we got a few minutes uh, before we come up against, and I see you up there, and I'm going to get to your phone calls on the back end, but Stuart Varney and I always do this FBN simulcast on, on Tuesdays, uh, and that is great. I appreciate it, and that's where you get to see us on FBN. You get to see us on Fox Nation. You get to hear us on your local affiliate. Uh, that's always great. Now, one of the things we're going to bring up, it just uh, just happened while we were on the air. Elise Stefanik just called a press conference. One of the things she went over is she's demanding an apology from SNL because of the ridiculous parody of her. And it's not so much people make fun. I mean, look, I, I was I personally been attacked by uh, the people are mocking me uh, at least 10 times on SNL. OK, but the problem with that, I mean, people want to insult Donald Trump every single day. But the problem with uh, insulting Elise Stefanik, you were actually mocking the fact that she was pointing out anti-Semitic behavior in some of the elite institutions of our country and the ridiculous response these college professors and presidents gave and some of their policies on campus. And they use this. I know it's a comedy show, but they use this to mock her as if she's a self-centered, politically oriented person looking just for positive reviews. And the positive is to make a politician look pompous is no big deal. Do it every day. You will. I mean, they mocked Governor Patterson of New York, and he was blind. They showed him tripping all over the place. Inappropriate. Don't think it was too funny. But I guess it's fair game if you have bad eyesight in SNL's eyes. But in this situation, to mock the fact that she was questioning people's anti-Semitic behavior, when I think Lorne Michaels is actually Jewish, I'm pretty sure, is nuts. And people, every, I tell you, everybody I talked to said, you got to watch this cold open, is absolutely horrendous. And I thought they meant it wasn't funny. And the problem is, and I remember Barack Obama, say that again? If you want to remind everyone if the cold open sounded like, we have some of that. Okay. Here's the cold open from SNL, and the person screaming is supposed to be Elise Stefanik talking to the three professors, the presidents of the University of Pennsylvania, MIT, and Harvard. Mr. Fonick. Thank you, Chairwoman. Now, I'm going to start screaming questions at these women like I'm Billy Eichner. <laughs> Anti-Semitism, yay or nay? I'm sorry, what? Yes, or no, is calling for the genocide of Jews against the Code of Conduct for Harvard. Well, it depends on the context. <gasps> what? <laughs> that can't be your answer, you pen lady. Same question, yes or no? Well, we are serious about stopping all forms of hatred, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia. Uh, the, 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 the second one, MIT lady, Chance to Steal. 
And keep in mind, if you don't say yes, you're going to make me look good, which is really, really hard to do. So I'll ask you straight up. Do you think genocide is bad? Do you hear the, the audience is not even laughing? I mean, that's one thing is key. So then the other subplot is Cicely Strong, one of the biggest names. I don't think she's around the regular cast anymore. I guess they asked her to come back for this. I don't think she's on the cast. And evidently she was did it, she played that role in rehearsal and refused to do it during the show. And oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, that's the cover of the, the post today. It's one of the big stories. I don't know why. It doesn't say, it's not clear whether she thought it wasn't funny or she knew this is an area in which was not healthy. I don't want to be part of something that's going to be mocking anti-Semitism. So, listen, you make comedic choices all the time. But to me, this reminded me of the famous debate, less important, of Mitt Romney and Barack Obama. Barack Obama, what happens is a lot of times sitting presidents are not used to the debate. They're used to the policy. So he comes out against Mitt Romney, and he is out of it. Mitt Romney steamrolls him. So when they go to mock him on the debate on SNL, they show a Barack Obama totally clueless. That's what I thought this could be. To somebody else Let's listen to Stuart Vaughan. to be on TV with me. Hey, you're on. Okay, here we go. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, not happy after Saturday Night Live poked fun at her in the hearings with Ivy League universities. I know you're really fired up about this one. What do you got to say? Well, a couple, a couple of things. She's demanding an apology a short time ago. There's no doubt about it. There's something going on here has not been defined yet. Cecily Strong, one of the biggest names on SNL. I don't think she's part of the cast. One of those situations where I think she was asked, I don't know for sure, to come back and play. Elise uh, Stefanik because they look similar, maybe, perhaps. And plus, she's very talented. She did the rehearsal, but she didn't do the show. And I don't know right. if she may be, you know, one would assume after you saw the horrendous copy and the lack of laughs in it, you thought maybe she saw it and thought, I don't want to be part of this. And the thing is, you're kind of mocking the fact that she was identifying anti-Semitism as a problem on college campuses. So they go and mock the woman that's just trying to find yeah. out what's with anti-Semitism on college campuses, not the ridiculous responses from the presidents of the institutions right. who have all since apologized for their comatose appearance. Yeah, they got it completely wrong, that story. Just completely, head over heels, completely wrong. I'd like to know why. Are they just so liberal that they go after a conservative no matter what? Because at least Stefanik is a conservative. I don't know. I, look, Brian, I really want to move on to my favorite story of the day. The New York Giants, the rookie quarterback, Tommy DeVito, 25 years old. He makes 44000 bucks a game, lives with his parents at home. And he's taking New York by storm after last night's big win against the Packers. You're a Giants fan. How do you feel about they call him Tommy Cutlets, don't they? Yes, uh, because he says his mom makes great chicken cutlets. And Saquon Barkley <laughs> says, now I'm calling you Tommy Cutlets. And last night on the Manning cast, if you haven't seen it, it's the best way to watch football. Eli and Peyton had to go scroll back and forth, toggle back and forth between the Miami Dolphins game, uh, who were playing and losing to the Titans, and the Giants game while having guests on at the same time. And then you see, I don't know if you're going to roll it or not, but to see his agent with that hat that looks like the quintessential Italian from New Jersey, I could say that because I'm an Italian, half Italian from Long Island. And I thought to myself, imagine if he was, and they got word that he is actually his agent, and then you yes. see the agent in the stands, and he says, I live at home. And, Stuart, you probably can't even wrap your head around this because you have six kids and you like them all, but you want them out on their own. And he, he says, I go home because my mom's a great cook and she does my laundry and makes my bed. Why would I go anywhere else? I don't know. You know, it's a pretty strong pitch. 
because you're full-time. <laughs> it's not like it's Matthew McConaughey in Failure to Launch. That's he right. has launched. He has yes. an NFL career. He just doesn't want to get an apartment. But so can, this is can, bizarre. Can What's with this hand gesture? That, that I keep seeing from right. Italians in, in the crowd. What, what's that, what does that mean? Well, um, if it's lost, 1930, we if it's 1930, and we're looking at the first generation wave of Italian immigrants into New York, I guess they did this and said "Mamma Mia" a lot. And now I guess he is mocking the fact that they say that a lot in New Jersey. So every time he says this, it's a salute, I guess, to his Italian heritage, and it's given back to him from his family in the stands. And the other story is this: which so bad. You're such a sports fan, Stuart. I don't mind if your team's bad. But when your team's supposed to be good and you're coming, your, your coach got coach of the year and you just signed your quarterback to a $160 million contract, you are ready. You won a playoff game last year. You're ready to go to the Super Bowl this year and you're just terrible. That's the worst. And that's what happened to the Giants. Now, suddenly, with Tommy DeVito, they have won three in a row, should have beat the Jets and made it four. And now Tommy DeVito has them one game from a tying for the wild card spot. So this is kind of one from why is this guy screwing up the best draft pick to, oh, my goodness, they could actually be 500 or in the playoffs. Brian, I knew you wanted to talk at length about this one, and you did. See, you it's did a it for me. Story. You did it for me. You sacrificed your show for me. <laughs> I did. Thank you, yeah, Stuart. Yeah, baby. <laughs> See you soon, Brian. All right. All right. It's that time. All right. All right. We've got a couple of minutes here. Uh, so that's just it. I think it's pretty cool. I'm wondering if around the country they care about this. I tell you, Joe Buck was into it. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He was into that game. And, you know, they're supposed to just be a bubble. He's a little like Pat Summerall, where he has got this long, boom, like loud, booming voice and lets the play describe itself because we have a television. But he seemed into it. And it's tough because you have the Packers, who are an emerging team with a young quarterback. That was the story coming into the Meadowlands who had won two in a row with a quarterback who's nondescript with a team that might be playing out the string. You'd think he'd sell the Packers story. Next thing you know, he's selling this uh, this New York Giants story. Maybe we should hear a little of Peyton uh, describing uh, uh, Eric. Here's Peyton describing what he's seeing on the sidelines before the game. They're rolling tape of Tommy DeVito in a hoodie before the game, just talking it up as if he doesn't have a care in the world with his agent wearing, I think, is that a fedora? Let's listen. Do you call him Tommy DeVito or do you just call him Cutlets? What do you call him? I call, I call him Tommy Cutlets. He likes the nickname. I asked him about the nickname. Uh, he said he was kind of okay with it. And then when Saquon, like, that's all he calls him is Tommy Cutlets or just Cutlets. So once Saquon started calling him that, it was, it was stuck. It was in there. And he went on to talk about his agent. And, and Peyton just said, before a game, you couldn't talk to me. I was into the playbook. I was looking at the other team. I was trying to see who are my guy. My guys are zoned in, and I'm watching the Giants before the game warm up, and I'm seeing Tommy DeVito in a hoodie just walking around. Twenty five people on the sideline, just kind of just having acting like it's a high school game, and he just goes, "I don't know if that's a New York thing or not." And just so funny the different approaches. One's a Hall of Fame quarterback. One was an undrafted rookie. But listen, Johnny Unitas wasn't drafted. I know it was a different time. But sometimes you can be an undrafted player that slipped through the cracks for whatever reason and matter. So a free agent quarterback does. I'm sure there are others out there, too. Maybe you can remind me. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. So glad you're there and listening to me. And we have a big hour coming your way. Bill Hammer from America's Newsroom will be here. Just fresh off his show. He gets in the shower, changes outfits, puts on some eye black, and then joins the fray. Admiral James Stavridis is standing by. We have the latest uh, news coming from overseas in Gaza. We see the progress they're making, getting mass uh, surrenders among Hamas, but yet still there's casualties coming out of the IDF side, too. And there's going to be another vote on the United Nations to get to some type of ceasefire, which is just not going to happen. So before we get to the Admiral, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. What they're trying to do is they're trying to kill me, knowing that it will be a pain greater than my father could be able to handle. And so therefore... Destroying a presidency in that way. You believe this? Hunter pleads his case, saying it's the Biden name that gets him indicted and the Republicans are trying to kill him. I think it's the only thing that's kept him out of prison, his last name. You tell me. Number two. If there's anyone inspired by unresolved issues on Capitol Hill, it's just Putin. They see the dreams come through when they see the delays or some scandals. Get it done. Zelensky is uh, in town to ask for aid. Israel moving through Gaza. Uh, but first, the foremost, first and foremost, the border. Don't leave town, guys, until you get something done. Number one. Who cares what the media thinks and does and covers and lies about when the people themselves are telling pollsters right, left, and center they have no faith in him whatsoever. There's not a single issue where Joe Biden is more approved than disapproved in his handling on the issue. 2024, Trump is soaring and no one seems to understand why except for anyone comparing their lives four years ago with what they're experiencing now. We'll go over the polls and the game plans. But first things first, let's bring in Admiral James Savitas, the 16th Supreme Ally Commander of NATO, uh, multiple uh, New York Times bestseller. Uh, welcome back, Admiral. Always great to be with you, Brian. Will you make time for Zelensky this, uh, on this trip? Oh, gosh, I would. I think that uh, he is someone um, who is here to plead the case, and I think it's a very strong case for Ukraine, and I really hope the Congress can work on these four critical issues. It's, it's not just Ukraine, as you well know. It's Ukraine, it's Taiwan, it's border, and, of course, it's Israel. And, you know, by putting all those things together, not everyone will be happy about every single thing, but they're all four legitimate national security concerns Let's hope the Congress can get this done. Admiral, what's happened? We went from this guy was uh, an inspirational leader from around the globe to uh, why is he coming here? Uh, We're tired of writing blank checks. What happened? Uh, Number one, this thing is grinding into a stalemate. And, you know, Americans don't like long, drawn-out conflicts. That's why we hated being in the forever wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's why there was so much antipathy uh, to the war in Vietnam. Americans like quick, clean wars. We got to remember, World War II only lasted like four years. Um, Desert Storm, Desert Shield was a few months. Uh, The war in Libya was six months. Americans like quick, action. And so our patience is not great. And number two, you know, we have a lot of challenges here at home and it's legitimate to ask questions about um, funding and resources that go abroad. But as you and I have talked about many times, 
this is not that much money in the context of the national security return that we get on those dollars. And final thought, our mutual friend Mark Thiessen, well-known columnist, uh, conservative writer, has analyzed all of those dollars that are being spent on Ukraine. Guess what? 85, 90 percent of those dollars are actually spent in the United States on our defense industrial base. So it stays here. We modernize our defense. We sell them equipment. We give them equipment that we had. But when we manufacture it, the tax dollars go to the weapons manufacturers who are here, a lot of which might be in somebody's portfolio. Exactly. All of it is a virtuous circle for our economy. And that's before we get to the really big strategic benefits, which is knocking Vladimir Putin back, someone who is an evil actor in the world, is closely aligned with our enemies like North Korea, Iran, Venezuela. And by stopping Putin, we send a signal to China not to go into Taiwan. We send a signal to Venezuela to not just take over their next door neighbor, a small country called Guyana, which has 10 billion barrels of oil in it. So I think there's a good case to be made here. I think the majority of uh, folks in the Congress see the case, Brian. Ultimately, I think it'll get through, if not before the holidays, immediately after. Well, uh, I want you to hear uh, from Zelensky yesterday. Cut 11. If there's anyone inspired by unresolved issues on Capitol Hill, it's just Putin and his sick click. They see the dreams come through when they see the, the delays or some scandals. So Vladimir Putin celebrating, and this, this will hearten, oh. this will fortify his people. He'll think, okay, the funding's about to stop. Now we'll start to amp up the drone attacks and the hits on infrastructure to put maximum pain to the people, make it seem hopeless. Exactly right. And we have got to see the larger picture here. And in taking on this with Ukraine, let's remember, no U.S. boots on the ground, no NATO boots on the ground. And by the way, and this is often distorted by some reporters, um, I've looked very factually at how much Europeans are spending, how much the U.S. is spending on this conflict. It's very, very close with Europe spending somewhat more than the United States, all in. And, uh, oh, by the way, on a per capita basis, 20 European countries are spending more than the United States per capita. So the Europeans are pulling with us on this. It strengthens our alliances. It hurts Putin and his alliances. And as we just talked about, that virtuous circle of economic benefit actually lands back here in the United States. Brian, it's a no-brainer. Uh, listen, I'm with you 100%. Also, isn't it a matter of character, and you know more than I'll ever know, that when things get tough is when you dig in, you don't give up. Why do we keep giving up? Why do we give, yeah. why do we give in to frustration all the time? Couldn't agree with you more. And in that give up category, oh, by the way, the fact that we left Afghanistan in such a debacle yes. does not bode well in terms of if we pull out again on the Ukrainians. I think that will be a real blot on America's reputation. Who's going to want to align with us? Who's going to want to stand with us 
if we can't be seen standing with our allies. So I want to, yeah, I, I respect J.D. Vance, but I think he's way off on this. But a lot of yes. Republicans agree. Cut 14. They still want another $61 billion. And the only thing it's going to accomplish is turn Ukraine that- into a permanent client state in the United States. They, 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 Laura, they're going to be unable to pay their pensioners. They're going to be unable to pay the basic function what? of civil government. A- so he's saying they should just cut their losses and end it now. There's too many, too much dying. Big mistake. And the same kind of mistakes that were made in Europe 100 years ago when we cut loose the Czech Republic, we cut loose Austria, we cut loose any number of small countries and fed them into uh, Nazi Germany. How'd that turn out? Well, we ended up in a global war. If I've learned anything about bullies in my life, it's that you need to punch them hard and early, or they're just going to keep coming at you. So uh, Senator Vance, I think, who is a veteran himself, uh, ought to know that now is the time to, uh, to, as you say, to stay in this. And, and, you know, come on, $60 billion? Our defense budget is $900 billion. This is not an expensive endeavor. This is money well spent. See, I don't understand within the $900 billion, why couldn't they find it? Why do you need extra? I know you're not a budget expert, but we need extra outside the normal defense spending? Uh, a lot of what is moving is actually coming out of Department of Defense stocks and payments to the defense industrial base. But the short answer to the question is um, the Pentagon can show you where all $900 billion are going. It's going to preparing for conflict potentially with China, nuclear weapons programs, um, manpower, our most expensive thing. All those dollars are allocated. So when Putin, let's remember how we got here. When Putin invades a country that's a close partner uh, to us, we work with, trade with. I commanded Ukrainian troops in Afghanistan. They came to Afghanistan. When Putin invades, that is a new bill, if you will. So, no, you can't just take it all out of hide. True. Uh, so that's where we stand right now. Now let's talk about what's happening over in Gaza. How would you what, what are your sources telling you is left of that fight there uh, where it's not going to just be trying to find one or two Hamas agents as opposed to trying to uh, corral a, a battalion? Uh, The Israeli defense forces have closed in very effectively now in this uh, city to the south, Han Yunus, um, and it is still door-to-door, street-to-street fighting. uh, But um, the the majority of the resistance of the street fighters, if you will, of Hamas uh, are now trying to blend into the crowd, trying to get out of Gaza. Um, their resistance is collapsing as the Israelis come in. So I look for, hopefully, uh, the Israelis to capture the leader of Hamas, a man named Sinwar, who who is bin Laden on steroids, uh, buries people alive, burns people alive, uh, harsh 60-year-old, very, very dangerous figure. Hopefully the Israelis will find and eliminate him I think that's when the last vestiges of this collapse and then Israel needs to come up with a plan Mm -hmm. to turn this thing over 
to uh, some international entity, back out, create new security barriers. I think that's the path forward. The Houthi Houthi rebels, a bunch of gangsters hanging out in Yemen, now have seemed to have cruise missiles. Uh, They're (laughs) shooting at our ships in the Red Red Sea. How much longer are we going to tolerate it? Which is what is the best the best way to handle this, to respond to this? Um, The word is Iran. These are Houthi rebels, which uh, sound like, uh, you know, kind of ragtag group. Uh, They're well-armed, well-trained. They took down a modern cruise liner by having military helicopters overhead. Their strike forces repelled down. They looked like Navy SEALs taking a vessel down. That vessel is held by these rebels in a port on the Red Sea, 25 hostages there. Brian, it's all being directed by Iran. So uh, I am not looking to widen the war, but just like we need to respond in harder terms against Iran for their land attacks, we need to respond not against Houthi rebels, but against Tehran. How? We should go after their maritime assets, and that would be proportional. Um, If they're going to come after shipping in the Red Sea, we ought to go after their oil and gas platforms, for example. If you go back a couple of decades, we went through this kind of sequence with Iran and ended up going after Iranian warships, going after their platforms, their oil and gas or intelligence platforms in the Arabian Gulf. We need to punch him in the nose, just like we talked about a moment ago with Vladimir Putin. They're not going to stop until we do. Do you think this administration has has the interest in doing that? I think this administration has been too risk-averse, both in dealing with Iran and also going back to Ukraine for a moment, not quick enough, leaning forward, getting the full range of military capacity into the hands of the Ukrainians. Uh, In both of those areas, I fault the administration. And I understand their desire to not avoid widening wars and being risk averse, but you hit a point where you have to respond. I think we are at that point with Iran. And lastly, Navalny has disappeared. We know Uh, he's he's in exile, uh, trying to take on Vladimir Putin, arrested in the worst conditions possible. But he was supposed to be in court, and he's gone. Any idea yeah. where he is? No, and my sources uh, come up empty on that. Uh, I, it, very worrisome. But let's face it, Putin took his former best friend, uh, chef uh, Yevgeny Prigozhin, and blew him up on national television in a small jet between Moscow and St. Petersburg. I think he he has the same kind of, uh, hatred and jealousy, frankly, of uh, Navalny. I, I fear for Navalny. Admiral James Savitas, thanks so much. Covered a lot of ground. Appreciate it. You bet, Bri. Have uh, a wonderful, uh, and I'll see you next week. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Admiral James Servetus, when we come back, uh, I'll take some of your calls. And we still also have a great guest in a guy named Bill Hammer, also a full-time at Fox News. He gets dental. He gets full benefits. I'm sure he has some type of pension plan. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. There is a reason why the testimony at the Education and Workforce Committee garnered 1 billion views worldwide. 
And it's because those university presidents made history by putting the most morally bankrupt testimony into the congressional record, and the world saw it. As a Harvard graduate, I'm reminded of Harvard's motto, Veritas, which goes back, and it's older than the founding of our country, it goes back to the 1640s. In addition, the motto was Veritas Christo et Ecclesiae, truth for Christ and the church. Larry Summers, who was president of Harvard when I was an undergrad, talked about the meaning of Veritas is divine truth, moral truth. Let me be clear, Veritas does not depend on the context. This is a moral failure of Harvard's leadership and higher education leadership at the highest levels. Uh, that was about an hour ago when Louis Stefanik just to address the fact that Harvard would not replace their president. And they got 600 professors to write and a bunch of alumni, 900 alumni to write and said she should not be replaced. I don't think she's the only problem. I mean, do you think that Harvard uh, would be uh, fighting harder against anti-Semitism if she wasn't president? I just think it's endemic in the whole situation. Anti-Semitism, the worst. But now let's look at the what's behind it. The intolerance on the campus, the wokeness, the anti-Americanism that takes root. The uh, the DEI that's taken over their curriculum, the vilification of white people that seems to have taken root there and been accepted. But it's not just Harvard. It's not MIT and it's not the University of Pennsylvania. The Columbia, they're still having these anti uh, these anti-Israeli, pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas protests. Still happening in upstate, uh, in uptown New York. You think it's anywhere else? I mean, it's probably in your local college. So I think I think in the long run, this could really be good to have really parents uh, scrutinize the curriculum and push back on this before it's too late. I don't, really don't know who's uh, behind all this anti-Americanism, but he's got to be so vigilant every day. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. This whole idea that this this may not, in every aspect, be a Russian disinformation campaign, but it has literally every earmark of what the Russians did. What they're trying to do is they're trying to kill me, knowing that it will be a pain greater than my father could be able to handle. And so, therefore, destroying a presidency in that way. Yeah, that's my theory exactly. Hunter Biden, again, speaking exactly like I think. They're trying to kill Joe Biden, so they're going to try to charge Hunter Biden uh, for not paying taxes. It makes total sense. For more tax ex, I brought in accounting tax yes. experts, uh, Bill Hammer. Bill, are Republicans trying to kill Hunter Biden? In I order used to, to work at H&R Block, so I am exactly the guest you need for Is this Is that segment. how Roger Ailes found you? Yes, I was, I was working down the street, right? and then I got promoted to the Schwab store. Remember, you went the, to, remember the Schwab store yeah. that used to be at the corner here at 47th and 6th? And then he saw me working in there one day. Right. He had to make a deposit. He pops in and says, you know, what are you up to? And I said, well, I wanted to be a sportscaster back in the day. He said, really? And We only uh, have news open. I gave him this big, you know, song and dance. And he said, well, we, we might want to try you, you know, at our shop because we're looking for people to do the overnights. So I'd come in at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, and I'd fill time until 6 a.m. when the right. weekend show started. And everything I just told you was absolutely 
Not made true. up. Made up. I so, was I was going to use a bigger word. Hey, Eric, how convincing? And Alice, how convincing was that story? That was almost like the fire that happened in Joe Biden's house. Remember that Jill was saved by firefighters. Oh my so no, no, this yeah, is go so interesting because yeah. Charles Schwab was Studio M. Correct. Right. And my the Studio A that I started with when you were stuck at CNN desperately trying to get out. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, <laughs> but that uh, was Studio A was a Sam Goody. Correct. Yes. And, and so, that was that was pre me. Right. So there's two things that happened. Not many people know this. Bill Hemmer was recruited when they said, listen. Charles Schwab was sold to Fox. You could either leave with us or uh-huh. stick around and be an anchor. <laughs> and I, I was working. I was handing out records at uh, Sam Goody, right. running a promotion. They go, listen, we sold to Fox. You could either go with, stay here and be an anchor. Or, or, or you, you can go work at our Long Island branch yes. in Manhattan. Sunrise Mall. Uh, Sunrise, Sunrise Mall, Massapequa. Okay, you yeah. had it wrong. Route 27. Yeah, Sorry, please try bad. to read my bio. Okay. Keep going. Right. So this is total so fiction. So I, I had the option, too. I could yeah. either stay at Schwab and push annuities, right. or I could work the overnights at Fox for Roger. Because you're already used to the commute. You might as well. Yeah, I was familiar with the buildings. I, I knew um, where the the convenience store, where the CVS was located, where you get a salad for right. lunch. That, that was easy. That was a good transition. And then they hit you. They, you thought you were doing your own thing, and then he stick yeah. you with this Martha McCann <laughs> and Sandra Smith, and now oh, this yeah. Dana Perino. <laughs> what a nightmare. I tell you what, Brian, you have no idea. Good. What is it like I to have mean, co-host? The, the stone <laughs> I need to carry up the hill every day. It's unbelievable. Oh, it's remarkable. You call home and you're like, stop calling. I mean, come on. Stop calling I, and complaining about here. Dana Perino. By the way. Yes. By the way, all of that is absolutely not, not true. true, too. That was classic Russian disinformation. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, it was. So I was one of the 51 that signed the letter. You were? Yeah. Okay, I mean, you that. should be interviewing me. I am. Correct. Technically, yeah. Yes. So... Hunter Biden saying he's trying to kill. I mean, isn't that? Yeah. I don't know if in your life you have dealt consistently with people that are addicted. I have. And that is typical addictive behavior of somebody who has not turned the corner. Always blaming somebody else. Blaming. I mean, and I know you have to have legal strategies. But mm-hmm. That's really what Abby Lowell is doing. He's a victim. If it wasn't for his last name, he wouldn't have done this. But these were elective behaviors mm-hmm. that are not denied that he wrote in his book. Yeah. And now it's complaining when yes. people say, where is the money? I, and why didn't you pay any tax yeah, on it? Yeah, I, I guess a couple of things. He's supposed to appear behind closed doors tomorrow. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, the California court ruled last night with the three felonies and six misdemeanors on the tax charges. Is it? Attorney's going to say, we can't talk about this. And and they're probably right about that. But I think what I think is interesting, however, is that your majority in the House by Republicans is three votes right now. And it appears when this inquiry comes out of committee today, I know this is kind of technical, but I'll I'll make it simple for you. it's It's going to go to the full House tomorrow. I think just about every Republican except for one will vote for it. Ken Buck. And Ken Buck's the one. I guess the question is whether or not any Democrats vote for it. My guess right now is no. But so uh, I'm thinking it's going to pass. Republicans are sticking together on that issue. What does the inquiry do? It allows them to issue subpoenas and do more interviews. I can't – Brian, I I don't think Joe Biden's going to be impeached in the year 2024. Absolutely not. It's not going to happen. But just uh, just so your listeners understand, there's a discernment that must be made between an inquiry and an actual impeachment process as it goes forward. Secondly, I I was mightily impressed that Republican senators last week held together on that border issue. They were asked to vote on Ukraine aid. 
And all of them held back and said, we need to take care of our border, too. If you want to do Ukraine, we can. You want to do Israel, we, we can. But you cannot continue to stonewall us when we have 5,000 people disappearing into our country every day. And they held together. They held the line. I don't think the Ukrainian aid is going to happen well until 2024, but at least they stuck together to I, try and get something done. No, I hear you, Bill. And I think that, number one, I am normally not for these games and to get it done, but this is part of getting it done. We have never seen the border like this. You talk to you. We're seeing scenes we never even dreamed right. of. And then we did this thing that we rarely do. Go up to some of the illegals, the ones that have crossed in and said, where are you from? They're from the whole planet, the whole planet. And they're thanking Joe Biden. The word is out. If you come, you can stay. And then when you see what's happening in New York City, you live here. I pass through here every day. But you're here. And you see them bursting out of the hotels. I laughed when they they accused Mayor Adams of inflating the cost of illegal immigration on our budget, using it as an excuse to cut back on services like cops and firefighters. Excuse me? There's a lot of things you can accuse Mayor Adams of, mm-hmm. not of inflating the cost of illegal immigration on our system five to seven. It's all billion. upside down. Don Bacon is a, a Republican from Nebraska. He was on with Dane and me last hour. He's voting for this whole impeachment inquiry because of the border. And I said, well, if you can't get money, what would you go for? And he said, change the asylum rules. Absolutely. Forget the I money. said, OK, got it. He goes, remain in Mexico. Bring it back. There are things you can do where you don't have to spend money, where you can have an effect on this policy. Another reason I'll give you, Brian, is this total hypothetical. Ron DeSantis said that he would shoot a Mexican cartel human smuggler dead. I'm paraphrasing his words. Last week, we had video of a human smuggler coming up to a hole in the wall, escorting several migrants through. And at the end, he looks at our camera. He shrugs his shoulder like the emoji in your iPhone, salutes and walks away with his iPhone. Hat on his head, mask over his face. What would a President DeSantis do there? I don't know. What, what, it, what, yeah. what would a President Trump do there? Would any of these leaders have the guts to take him out. Total hypothetical hasn't yeah. happened. But what if it did? Bryant, that news would spread throughout the country of Mexico within an hour. Absolutely. It's done. It's over. And believe me, when Trump, if Trump wins an election, that period in between when he takes power in between, you've never seen a flood like that before because they know it's going to end. Yeah. Number two is, isn't it clear also the walls work? They're trying to cut open this this wall in order to get into this unowned on area because we don't have enough people. So we're supposed to funnel them through the wall. So they're cutting it. If there was no wall there, they'd be sprinting right through. Yeah, a couple of things. You've it's been not down, impenetrable. Yeah, you've been there. I've, I've been there. Um, by the way, that cart- that human smuggler I described was on U.S. property, by the way. Yeah. Because the wall was built on U.S. territory. Um. Those who want open borders will argue that the wall doesn't work because you can build a temporary ladder to climb it. That is not untrue. They believe walls don't work because they can take a propane gun and cut a wall through it at 2 o'clock in the morning. That is also true. However, a wall will slow the process 
down. Not impenetrable. And th- that's its intent, and it must be understood. That yeah, way. it's, it's got to be a barrier. We can't go here. We got to go there. Oh, we got to do that. We're going to need a blowtorch, and we're going to need uh, a sawzall. Well, you're going to need it. That's slowing you down. That gives you some type of time to react. Number two is there are electronics with these walls. There are cameras on these walls. These are smart walls. You want to hear a story? I was down in Yuma uh, February. And Yuma was in a tough spot because it borders Mexico and California. So it comes to a little corner right there. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot, there are two cartels that were pushing human beings up into that corner of Arizona. So they were getting double whammy all the time. They tried to build this, this border wall there. It wasn't finished. There's gaps in the wall. Mark Kelly ran on re-election, a Democratic senator in Arizona, saying he's going to close the gaps. It hasn't happened, by the way. So in Yuma, they put up cameras on top of these posts at nighttime. When Joe Biden became president, the mayor of Yuma, Arizona, told me that those cameras were never turned on. Unbelievable. It's crazy. I mean, it's just it's just nuts. So 27 percent of the country says his border policy is good. So tell me how politically this is helping him. Tell me how politically yeah, it's helping my, him. My only guess is this, and I'll just draw this analogy. When New York City had the Super Bowl, was it eight, ten years ago? If you weren't paying attention, you never knew that game was in New York. Do you know why? Because there's eight freaking million people who live here. And the city absorbs an event like that. America's got 330 million people here. And if you take in 1.5 to 2.4 million people a year, they just disappear into these big cities. And most of America, in my view, doesn't realize it because they don't feel the effect or the impact of it. Right. Uh, Now that's changed, isn't it? Now that we're, now we're hearing people complain in Chicago, we're seeing people complain in New York City. A, a, a little yeah, bit. In Long Island. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think when you go around Manhattan, you can find the spots where the migrants are living. But uh, honestly, I'm, I live here. I, I have to look for it now. If yeah. I go to the Roosevelt Hotel, I know where to find it. But if I'm living my life and doing my routine, I don't see it. So interesting, Bill, because I walk from 48th and 6th. Uh, oftentimes to 42nd and 7th, or I'll just walk back. So that, by the way, it's just so your listeners know, that's Times Square. Yeah, everywhere. They're everywhere. And then yesterday, two days ago, uh, no, it was last Friday. So I walk out of our subway uh, downstairs in our bottom of our building. I make a right to go through our area, and there's a family, four or five, South American, Central American family, just sitting there, all mismatched clothing, obviously illegal, speaking mm-hmm. another language, they do look like they all needed a shower and some attention. I'm not saying they're bad people at all, but this is, I mean, they are right here through our revolving doors on the other side on our basement en route to the, en route to the subway. So I'm not saying that that's not the homeless shooting up San Francisco problem. I get it. I have nothing against these people. This is no way to run a country. There's no way to run a. There's no, no. way to run a nightclub. No, <laughs> right. no country in the world runs like this one right now. Back in a moment. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Look at DeVito. Who is this guy he's talking to? Okay, look, whatever you need, I got you. I'll take care of it, all right? Come on, pay that's. 
That's his agent. Of course that's his agent. Come on, Tommy DeVito's agent. That's, what's in the bag? Him. What's in the bag? What's in the bag? I wonder what's in the bag. Some cutlets. Some cutlets for later. You know? It looks like, mom. It looks like, it looks like Johnny Fontaine from The Godfather. So that was uh, the Manning cast covering the Miami Dolphins game, switching back and forth to the Giant game. And you see this shot, Peyton Manning, and it's just so funny, Bill Hammer knows sports yes, as well as anybody, former Talk sports guy. So you know how, how dedicated Peyton was. He analyzed things. I thought for sure he was going to be a coach. I thought he was going to be like Harbaugh, just from one. So he said before a game, he'd be so focused. He wouldn't talk to anybody before a game. Mm-hmm. He says, what's with these guys in New York? It's like a big party on the sideline. And then he shows video before the game of a hoodie, Tommy DeVito, the third-string quarterback, yeah. unsigned, undrafted pick, just hanging out with his agent wearing a fedora yeah. hat, looking like a prototypical someone who signed up to be an Italian It was Guido agent. Sarducci, man. It Thank was Saturday you. Night Thank Live. You. I, right? don't wanna, I could say it because I'm Italian. But it looked like people but just But Guido Sarducci was a real character. I'm not making that up. No, right. n- neither am I being defamatory. Yes. I love all Italians. Keep going. So – uh, your thoughts. I just love his commentary. Uh, well, on he says, the, why is Tommy walking around well, the sideline? Well, why so, was he? That's a fair question. You know what's amazing to me, Brian, is right. that when this season started, there were so many great quarterbacks, especially in the AFC, and how many of them have gotten hurt. Some of them gone for the year. Some of them still fighting for, through injuries, have missed games. Maybe they come back later in the season. But the no-name quarterbacks that were second or third on the roster – undrafted free agents who have come out of nowhere. The Minnesota quarterback? They're smoking teams. Yeah. Josh Dobbs, who the Bengals play on Saturday, against Jake Browning, who's been on the practice squad great. for four years. He just he beat. had one attempted pass in the history of his NFL career and it was incomplete. That was it. So what is your thoughts? I mean, I'm, I might be too caught up in it. We're in New York. What are your thoughts about Tommy DeVito, who was a practice squad player, who they told when he came off the bench, don't throw? <laughs> They go, we don't even know if you knew the playbook. Now he's won three in a row. What are your thoughts about it? I think it's amazing and good for him. Um, Is it just a New York story? We make it too much of it? I think it's fun. I I guess I'm starting to – there's a handful of elite athletes who are able to rise to that level of Patrick Mahomes or a Jalen Hurts for Philadelphia. And even my guy Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. But what does it say when these no-name quarterbacks who, I mean, they're literally foreign to the team and their players yeah. in the playbook, they come out there and they start smoking teams. But, what, what does it say about the elite athletes who have the $250 million contract? Well, that's I, I, I guess yeah. that's what I'm left thinking about today. Well, how about you think about this? Look at a guy, I don't mean to put him down, but Zach Wilson. Number of top top draft pick now is in his fourth season, right? right? So you can't say he doesn't know the offense. He everything seems to be too fast for him. Mm-hmm. Every he seems to be too small for every. I, I don't know what's going on. He's gotten so many chances. Then you watch this other guy from Syracuse and University of Illinois <laughs> hey. just walk on the fields like my parents are upstairs. My mom <laughs> right. just did my laundry, uh-huh. made me dinner. Yeah. I'm surprised he's not she's not dropping him off at the stadium. <laughs> That's really funny. asking the coach what time does he need to be picked up? Yeah, Joe Burrow gave his box to Jake Browning's family and girlfriend this past weekend did he go to the game well he was on the sideline oh okay but you know okay that's awesome his arm in a cast he he gave them his box because he makes 275 million dollars right that's awesome i i mean it's it's crazy it's crazy look at look at the uh look at the uh jaguars game this week yeah yeah i mean browns beat the jaguars with a no-name quarterback and trevor lawrence and trevor lawrence came back 
Right, from an ankle injury. And, yeah, and, and a pretty severe one, too. Right. He, he had to be helped off that field for a long time. They love him in Jacksonville. I know they do. Right. I picked them to be my sleeper to win the Super Bowl. So it's interesting. Sorry, I did not do that. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. Oh, well, they would love that. Because I would, I would never pick my own team because it's bad luck. Continue. All right, uh, which you've done a good job not picking your own team to this point. Right. What good has it done? I mean, it Right, you get to uh, Zoom Bowl. Oh, so you think that I should change my logic? Change your logic. Yeah. Why not? So, so Bill, I was at the game, the biggest comeback in NFL history in the playoffs when they came all the way back in the second half, the Jaguars, and won. Uh huh. I was actually at Jags that game. Jags against. Uh, Jags against Chargers. Got it. So then they won that game. This was a year before they won four games, mm-hmm. and then they, they fired Urban Meyer. The controversy yes. now. Peterson's got him there again. We'll see what happens. Hey, good uh, luck to your guy, man. What's his name again? Devito. Uh, uh, Tommy Cutlets. That's what they call him. <laughs> oh gosh, hey, Bill good. Hemmer. Bye. See you, Brian. <laughs> Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.